Hey everybody, welcome back to the podcast. It is Freaky Friday time, and after a month away, you know what it's time for. Bold predictions are back. That's Bill Landis and Jeremy Birmingham, and I am Austin Ward, and it is time to get into it. Um, maybe we'll get to do it one more time. We'll see. Bill has already gone on the record to predict a Georgia victory, so that's a spoiler alert. We'll see if his score uh, expectation has changed as we go along here. Ohio State is a six-and-a-half-point favorite to uh, not favorite underdog, a six and a half uh, point favorite to lose. <laughs> yes, that's right. Uh, it's opposite it's all about day. perspective. It's all about perspective. Gotcha. Uh, yeah. Well, they're only supposed to keep it close, right? That's what I was told uh, by USA Today, the world's most respected newspaper. Um, <laughs> six and a half point underdogs. Ohio State, Georgia, Saturday night, New Year's Eve, eight p.m. Uh, it's almost finally here, and all the nonsense. And crazy hijinks and storylines can finally go away and we can just talk about football. But this episode, as you all know, is mostly about hijinks. And Yeah, so let's just dive into it. Um, C.J. Stroud will lead Ohio State in rushing yards on Saturday. Whoa! Uh, against the Georgia Bulldogs. Um, he Now, I, I think Ohio State is going to run for somewhere between 150 and 200 as a team. Uh, but I think C.J. Stroud is going to be the individual leader in rushing yards. That seems like it could be a pretty bad thing for Ohio State. I don't think so, Tim. I think if they get, I think they need to run the ball to win, uh, and uh, I think they need to run the ball to win. And so I believe they will have a game plan to mix it up with a a, a gaggle of running backs uh, touching the ball and CJ Stroud being a a weapon with his feet. Hmm. I think if they if they get close to two hundred rushing yards, I think they're going to win. Yeah. And huh. interesting, interesting, interesting. Um, I my 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 first one's kind of similar. Uh, well, no, not similar, but it involves uh the same guy. It's doing similar, the same only thing. exactly the opposite. <laughs> well, it's not it's not so much to do with rushing yards. Um, I I think that uh I think we're gonna get a really good CJ Shroud game. First of all, um, efficient, um, aggressive with his passing, but what I, I do think he needs to get involved with, with his legs, as I wrote earlier this week and talked about earlier this week on the podcast, it, I just think it's a necessity in this game, not turn him in the Justin Fields. I'm not talking about that. Just when the moments are there, take advantage of them. Uh, and because of that, I think he is going to uh, rush for a touchdown, which with CJ's background is like bold enough, bold enough to pick just mm. one rushing touchdown. I think in this game, um, I, I think I, I will say that he will, uh, he will account for, all of the scores that I have in my head. Um, most of them via the pass, but one via the run. I believe CJ needs to get really comfortable playing in this stadium because that's where he's going to spend the next seven or eight years of his life. So I think he just, I think he's going to have a day to, to go what you're saying. Like, I think you're going to see a really good effort from CJ Stroud and a good game from him. He's never played indoors before. And I think that that suits him to a T. Hmm. How do you know? I just maybe just think maybe he doesn't I like I having just a roof think, over his head. I just think it does. I, everyone likes having a roof over their head, uh, and I, I think nice that yeah, I, I think that um, you're going to see a, a, a really special CJ day. I like when Burn folds in an extra bold prediction, like the Falcons are going to draft CJ Stroud. Yes. Yeah, that's pretty bold. I like that. I, I, Austin, haven't you and I talked about that? Like the best place for him to land would be Atlanta. It would absolutely be Atlanta. You put in yeah. inherit those weapons, like. Atlanta's done, I guess, the best job of being patient. Like, we're going to wait. We're going to add all these explosive offensive pieces, and 
the last thing we're going to have is a quarterback. So he'll have like, other other places want to make sure they get their quarterback right, and then they add and, and build around it. The Falcons are taking the opposite approach, which I think is probably actually smart because then you're like, it's going to be an easier transition if you have all the weapons you need and, and some offensive linemen, which, um, I mean, having Kyle Pitts and Calvin Ridley uh, is cleared of all his gambling charges, like gambling charges. <laughs> he was betting on DraftKings like all of us do. I don't understand why that was such a problem. Anyway, that's a lot of Falcons talk for <laughs> how long we've been in Atlanta, uh, I guess. Go birds. Dirty, yeah, what, let's talk about the Braves. The dirty, dirty. Let's not. Let's not talk about the Braves. <laughs> okay. Um, CJ Stroud will get drafted in the 15th round by the Atlanta Braves. <laughs> there you um, go. What are the Thrashers up to? We were talking about the Thrashers last night <laughs> and how they're a lot of people didn't realize what happened when their the popularity of the team disappeared <laughs> after two of their best players decided to go 180 on the freeway down here and and kill people. Um, yeah, that'll do it. R.I.P. to the Thrashers. Okay, Freaky Friday off to a great start. My first uh, bold prediction. Um, I'm thinking about the way that Ryan Day got creative against Clemson in the Sugar Bowl. And there have been a couple other games where this has popped up. The best way he seems to pick apart teams and open them up is with the tight ends. I think that Cade Stover, healthy Cade Stover, uh, pushing the envelope potentially more or needs to, at least down the field, throwing the football Ryan Day, that version of him, will want to use the tight ends, will have creative ways to do so. And Cade Stover uh, will deliver a double ding-dong with two touchdowns. Mm. Did you consider uh, working in a Joe Royer prediction? Given what I you thought guys saw about practice. Yeah, I thought about it, um, Bill. I still just don't know how much we've seen the third tight end stuff, and we know that you know they were trying that with G. Scott late in the year. He's uh, he was injured on the side. Uh, doesn't look like he's going to probably have much of a chance to play for Ohio State on Saturday night. Uh, I was told that he's been limited for at least a week or so to nothing more than jogging. So uh, I think that played into part of why I've heard so much about Joe Royer impressing throughout. Uh, these training camp or bowl, bowl uh, peach bowl practices, but I, I think are they going to get into it a lot? I feel like that's even too much for me to predict. Like I, I don't know, and I don't want to say that that's definitely going to happen. I know that Kate Stover and Mitch Rossi are going to play a lot in this game. Um, will they get to that third? I don't want to get people's hopes up and be wrong about it. I know that there is excitement about what Joe Royer can do. I know he's healthy. Uh, he seemed to be in really good spirits on Thursday at Ohio State's media day, sitting there with Keenan Bailey and Mitch Rossi. Uh, will they actually dial that up on Saturday night? I can't even get bold enough to say that. I can say I'm optimistic for Joe Royer's future at Ohio State. That's all I'll say. Yeah, um, me too. Maybe not, maybe not Saturday. But I'm also optimistic for the future of Emeka Buka at Ohio State, who, despite uh, proclaiming boldly, on, on media day that <laughs> other schools are just calling him out of the blue and wanting to say what's up. Um, uh, <laughs> so I think so. Uh, uh, I said um, when we did the, the rooster show on Monday that I thought the was going to be the guy that really has an opportunity to, to um, take advantage of what George is going to try to do with bracketing Marvin Harrison, because they're going to put, I think they're going to put Malachi Starks on, on Harrison most of the game and then try to bracket mm. him with Chris Smith um, and leaving Keely Ringo to try to cover um, Emeka Ibuka. And I don't think Keely Ringo can cover Emeka Ibuka. Um, I'm going to go back to that prediction. I said on Monday that I thought he'd have 10 
catches for 120 plus yards. Uh, I'm going to stand by that. I think you're going to see um, 10, 10 catches, two touchdowns, and 150 for a Mecca that's uh that's that's pretty intimate knowledge berm of of what georgia might do to defend ohio state would you happen to have a camera set up at mercedes-benz stadium to watch their practices not gonna say i do not gonna say i don't what i'm gonna say is that i believe kirby smart is smart enough to um know that keely ringo cannot cover marvin harrison uh, and well, so the only there's literally only one way he could know that, and that is bugging Mercedes-Benz Stadium. <laughs> Bold prediction: Kirby Smart is arrested for breaking the espionage act. <laughs> that would be the wildest pregame scene of all time. Can you just imagine the feds just swooping down and knocking on the, the locker room door? And be like, "We're here for Smart." <laughs> and like everyone's like, Kirby, run, hide, duck. And he like they find him and he's in someone's locker, but these aren't lockers that close, so he's just sitting there. <laughs> they're wide open lockers. It would be amazing. Uh, he sacrifices <laughs> Will Will Muschamp. Yeah. Yeah. It was him. <laughs> and and then, then you find out it was Herb Street who called in the tip. <laughs> just to, just to get just to get back. That must jam yeah. for his. You should have watched your mouth, yeah. Kirby. I was going to take this secret to the grave. Uh, I placed the camera there, Will, but then Will I turned Muschamp. state's witness. <laughs> well, Ugh. this is actually a pretty good plot for a movie. We should, uh, if we need something to do in the off season, not a bad idea. We'll call it Get Smart, <laughs> and it's it'll star Zach Herbstreit uh, in Ugh. in in Kirk's place because obviously you can't. Okay. Get smart is is taken. We can't use that berm, so we're gonna have to be like what? too smart, too furious. Mm. I like that too. Mm. Okay, Bill, uh, I believe it's your turn for another bold prediction. People are gonna love this episode. <laughs> they already do. I can tell. <laughs> uh, my 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 second bold prediction is not that the FBI will come arrest Kirby Smart before this game. <laughs> um, my second bold prediction is uh. Stetson Bennett has been sacked one time in the last six games, uh, which is kind of crazy. He's, he's among the least sacked quarterbacks in the country. Um, I think Ohio State needs to find a way to get after him, um, whether that's like through manufacturing pressure by blitzing or just someone playing out of their mind on the defensive line. Uh, if Stetson Bennett is able to kind of just do whatever he wants back there, I think it's going to be a bad day for Ohio State's defense. Uh, so I will predict that Ohio State does get to him for three sacks. Which again is probably a small number, but in the context of him being sacked once in the last month or two months, uh, is is a relatively uh, excellent day, I think, for Ohio State's defense if they're able to get to him that way. Let's call it uh, two for Mike Hall and one for Tommy Eichenberg. Yeah, I think it's got to be up the middle. I mean, that, that's the reality of the situation for Ohio State. You're, they need to get pressure up the middle, and uh, we've talked all week about the the health being where they could possibly – they couldn't ask for it to be better than it is. And so if you get Mike Hall and Tyreek Williams up the middle, um, you're going to need those guys to make some make some plays. I think that Ohio State will have a defensive end or two play out of their minds, uh, to borrow your term there, Bill. And I think that like, – I you and I talked about this on Defensive Media Day. Like, with Zach Harrison, with the long arms, with his speed – with JT Tuimolo's athleticism, like I think if Stetson Bennett starts running around, that I know 
what we've talked about that Ohio State, like everybody else, struggles to you know account for dual threat quarterbacks. But I, I really think that Zach Harrison has just this year was a great decision for him to come back, and he's taken his game to another level. And I think he's he's done so much. He's emptied the tank. He knows that this is the last stand uh, potentially if he can't deliver a win for Ohio State uh, in the Peach Bowl, and people will look at you know his four years and just say it was a bunch of untapped potential. It's a legacy moment, just like it is for C.J. Stroud. I know that that's dumb to say it that way, but I think he's going to play his best game, use those freakishly long arms to corral Stetson Bennett after maybe some pressure comes up the middle from Tommy Eichenberg or Mike Hall uh, or Teron Vincent, and then Stetson Bennett will try to run away. He'll be corralled by Zach Harrison, who will be credited with two sacks, and he will also bat down two passes. Mm. He's really good at that. He's really, really good at it. Yeah, good timing. I think it's going to help. It. Like, this year, the tape that he has put has created, he's going to make a lot of money. Coming back for one more year. He was already going to get drafted reasonably high based on his measurable skills, but he had never had the production. This year, he's he's done it all. He's put it all together. and uh, you, you feel good for him because it's also helped him come out of his shell a little bit. Like People stopped saying that he had to be Chase Young or Joey Bosa or Nick Bosa, and I think – Maybe, uh, maybe not everybody, uh, but I know I appreciate him for what Zach Harrison, uh, that what he can do, which is a lot of batted down balls, running down plays, and mostly being very good against the rush, but also uh, being a nuisance to quarterbacks trying to run away from him. Yes, yes. <laughs> I have a thought. It's coming Uh-oh. to me. It's another um, movie script. An Ohio State cornerback is going to intercept a pass on Saturday. Uh, mm. And I believe it will be Denzel Burke um, intercepting a pass against mm. the Georgia Bulldogs. And that will be the first turnover of any sort caused or um, handled by the Buckeyes corners this year. But I, I do think, talking to Denzel on Thursday, he seemed really just kind of more like himself and more like he was a year ago. Um, before the injury against Michigan. And, and I, I think that he's going to be ready to go. And um, he says he's healthier than he's been in a long time. And I think that it may be on like a tip pass or something like that. It may not be just a, you know, pure coverage thing. But either way, I think Ohio State's going to get a cornerback interception for the first time all year, um, which is unusual. Stetson Bennett does not turn the ball over very much. Um, but I think Georgia is going to have to try to take some shots down the field, especially to A.D. Mitchell there, who may be their best receiver. Um, it's not really been talked about much as Lad McConkey continues to, to come back from his um, issues that he's had. So I think you're going to see them try to get vertical against Ohio State to soften up the, the, the middle stuff that they want for the tight ends. And uh, I think you're going to see Denzel Burke make a play. Bill, Denzel said that he is now 150% healthy after getting the last month uh, hmm. a little bit to rest. I'm not good at math, but that seems impossible. Just wanting you to have all the facts. Well, it's good it to know. It is impossible. It's nice, it's nice to, to have a media day setting, um, not unlike the one we had on campus where like guys can talk about all the stuff that was ailing them throughout the season. Um, and then we have like context for why perhaps they didn't play particularly well. Uh, yeah. So that's good. That's good to hear. Um, I, I have not changed my mind on who I think is going to win the game, which I guess we'll get to at the end. But mm-hmm. um, 
which makes like bold predictions hard because I feel like I want to make bold predictions for Ohio State. But it's like, well, if I make too many, then I got to pick Ohio State to win, or too many good <laughs> ones, and I got to pick Ohio State to win. And I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to change my mind because that kind of seems like BS to do so at this point. Yeah. Um, so I'll don't say I won't. Um, I'll, and if I'm wrong, I'll own it, and you'll all be very happy. Um, my uh, my la- my third bold prediction is that Ohio State will rush for fewer than 50 yards in this game. Um, and I think ultimately that ends up being their undoing. Um, I think I think they will find success throwing the ball. I think CJ will have a nice day. Um, I think they will struggle to run it against a defense against which everyone has struggled to run it. Um, that doesn't would not make Ohio State unique in that sense. But I do think it is the thing that that probably keeps them from maximizing their potential offensive output in this game. And maybe that shows up in some some red zone shortcomings or short yardage shortcomings that that end drives prematurely. But um, I just think that even even with uh, what we think is a reasonably healthy Mayan Williams, despite the illness this week, um, I, I have a hard time seeing Ohio State running the ball successfully against Georgia, and I think that's going to be the ultimate issue for them. That's why I said earlier, I think they they have to run the ball to win this game. Um, but I think, Bill, you probably know this better than me. I, I believe in all three games that CJ has been the quarterback that he's lost at Ohio State, he's thrown the ball more than 50 times, uh, which is a lot of passing. Sounds attempts. right. Yep. And in Ryan Day's losses at Ohio State, the five games he's lost, the thing that he tends to do is go away from the run way too early. Not because it's not really working, but just because he just decides, I like to, we throw the ball here, that's what we do. And I, I think if you see them do that on Saturday night, it's a it's a negative sign. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's right. I think, uh, I, and the, the thing I think that Ryan Day needs to fight against, which has, to your point, limited him i think sometimes in these games is is abandoning the run like at the it's it's not that the run's not working at all it's you have one bad play and then yeah. it's like okay well well don't don't just toss in the garbage like go back to it see if you see if you can't do it again and, and i think that's what gets them in trouble sometimes so if you can avoid yeah. that then i think then i think you could be looking at, at a day like you're predicting with them running the ball but that would i think require ryan day kind of um fundamentally changing the way that he kind of operates on he, game days, he's got to go against type right he's got to yeah. go against type here yeah the weird thing is that the only time that he will try that uh, multiple times in a row is if you have uh, a pistol formation into the boundary. Um, then he's got no problem trying that running play multiple times. Well, there, there's there is something about that that's interesting, um, and this is like not a unique idea of mine. It's just like I've been watching and reading people who are smarter than me about scheme talking about this matchup, and it's like. The, the defensive front that Georgia plays actually might lend itself to those kind of rushing plays for Ohio State being successful. So I'm like really? I'm, I'm I'm like halfway on alert for oh Ohio State rushed for 250 because it just kept running the stretch play and Georgia couldn't stop it. So um, I'm not predicting that'll happen, but um, I think there there could be something to that idea. Attacking the edges of Georgia's front, I think, is is a poten- it's potential. It's all area. been leading up to this. So we yeah. spent we spent all year saying Ryan Day's keeping something secret for the game. Rivalry is going to unleash that offense. Really, it was all for Georgia. That's right. Ah, he saw just like everything in 2020 was built for Clemson. <laughs> everything was built towards this. He thought it was going to be for a national championship. Uh, instead, it'll just be for the Peach Bowl. Wow. Okay. Well, I'm glad that I made that terrible joke so that you could actually provide some football analysis. <laughs> I am really tempted, Berm, to go back to the well. I'm going to say. Mm. I think Ohio State's going to score a touchdown on special teams. And I really was tempted to say once you put uh, – p- remove some of the elements that maybe a Mecca Buko won't 
run around trying to make Willie Mays style catches over his shoulder on punts and that he could break one in this game. I'm real, I'm really close to doing it, not going to pull the trigger. Instead, I'm going to say that Lathan Ransom will block a punt that will be returned for a touchdown by Josh Proctor uh, for a safety-driven special teams touchdown. I, I was close to thinking about a kick return because in, in the last two days when we did get the open period, like we got to see kick return stuff on on Wednesday. We know so much about special teams now. And, oh, man. And Emeka Abuka <laughs> was returning kicks. So, you know, we'll see if he's back there or not. Um, if you go back to the 2014 game against uh, Alabama in the Sugar Bowl, Alabama kept that game close because J.K. Scott, their punter, was so freaking good that – the Buckeyes couldn't do anything field position-wise. I don't know anything about Georgia's punter. I don't know if they have one. But I do think that it's that's an interesting part of this game because <laughs> you aren't kicking with any elements at all. And we'll, we'll see, uh, you know, Jesse Murko's had a great year. So those guys are going to be on, on display. You're going to have to make some, some big-time kicks. I was actually going to make a bold prediction that the Buckeyes were going to block a field goal in this game. Um, so I'll, I'll just, uh, you know, rally around your block punt here instead. Because I was going to say the final score is going to be 31-28. I'm changing my mind. I said 38-35 the other day, but now I'm thinking it's going to be a little lower scoring. Um, 31-28 is my prediction. I do. I just. I feel like the Buckeyes are sick and tired of being told they can't win this game, uh, and that is what they've heard all week. It's what they've heard for the last month, and I think they're going to come out and play their best game of the year. I really do. Uh, Georgia does have a punter, and he's Australian. Right. Of course he is. Mate. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, mate. Um, I, I well, have one more bold prediction. Bill is going to have a baby by the time <laughs> that we get back to Ohio. Ooh. On, on oh, Sunday. man. On Sunday? Yep. That means well, he's going to be he's gonna be in the hospital tomorrow night? Uh, yes. Yeah, that would that would certainly put me in the delivery room uh, during the Peach Bowl. Yeah, that's Bill, what I'm expecting. Charge your iPad right now, okay? I actually thought yeah. about that last night. <laughs> I need to charge my iPad because in the in the waiting room, at least the one that I was in, there was no television. Um, I hope, but even if there is, once you get into the other room, it's like this big. So yeah, uh, you know, make sure you plan ahead. Pack now. Yeah, I'm. I am packed. Uh, the plan at the plan at the moment is 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 next week, but I guess it could happen at at any time. So Saturday, we'll see what happens. Can you predict what what Bill's gonna name this child <laughs> for us? Yeah, it's obvious. Malcolm Berm Landis. We've already decided. Uh, Malcolm. Malcolm. Um, no, but Bill, uh, really, truly, sorry that you're not here this week, but uh, you know. I'm even more sorry that your New Year's Eve is going to be stuck in a waiting room. Um, Austin, it, what's your score prediction? And Bill, what's yours? Uh, you want me to give mine first, Austin? I'll, yeah. Uh, yeah. So I'm still picking Georgia, but uh, I'm going to take it. I'm going to take it right up to the line and change my score and make it a uh, 42 to 41. Mm. I do think fun. that this is going to be. A very great football game. I, these are the two most talented teams uh, still left fighting. Uh, they've had all month to prepare. They've had all month to get healthy. I'm really looking forward to this one. I hope it delivers. I hope everybody enjoys it. I do not understand, and I never will, why they moved it to 8 o'clock so that the casual uh, observer uh, doesn't get to watch this game, whereas 
there have been a much better chance of them doing so at four o'clock, uh, and then just sacrifice the uh, pretty lame, by my estimation, matchup in the Fiesta Bowl uh, to the New Year's Eve gods. But whatever, that's too late now. They're not going to fix it. Um, so when the peach drops on Saturday night, and uh, Berm and I are still inside Mercedes-Benz Stadium, I think the scoreboard will say Ohio State 35, Georgia 34. And uh, hopefully it's a game that all of us get to talk about for years to come. If it's a one-point game, we definitely will be. <laughs> yeah. Well, no matter what. If <laughs> no it, matter what happens, yeah. If it's a one-point game. And then I hope that the Pac-12 crew does not decide to hijack that for us. And there's a strong likelihood of that. And yeah. I, that's in the back of my mind. Can't that would be unfortunate. I'm sorry for putting that out into the world and, and sp- I'm not trying to speak it into existence. I'm hoping to avoid it, but I do. People have asked who's officiating this game, and it is a Pac-12 crew, and they are probably the only conference officials that I know of that are worse than the Big Ten. Was it a Pac-12 crew in 2019 against Clemson? No, that was an SEC. That that was no, because yeah, the replay call was made in Birmingham, not um, actually by anybody. And the thing I'll never forget about being in Glendale for that one was like Clemson knew that it was a touchdown. Like Dabo was preparing on the sideline. They were sending out the extra point unit. Like there was not a single person over there was like, let's get the offense ready. We know that that was definitely an incompletion, not a fumble, return for a touchdown. And then somebody uh, 2,000 miles away is like, nah, I see it differently, and I'm going to take it away and ruin everyone's night so that (laughs) they have to go out there and do a – post-game snap judgment about the officiating crew instead of a fun we will not talk about officials on saturday night period no matter what happens i promise i will not talk about officials um but they're probably gonna stink (laughs) (laughs) i said i'm not I said I'm not going to talk about it Saturday. I'll talk about it today until my blue in the yeah, face. These guys are terrible. Pac-12 is, yeah. Pac-12 is awful. <laughs> awful. Yeah. Well, well, it's but, nobody knows, but nobody knows because, like, nobody watches their games, you know? So, like, mm, it, mm. You, you only there's only a subsection, a very small section of college football fans that are sick enough to get home on a Saturday night and watch, you know, 9 o'clock, 10 o'clock, 10.30 games. And then we see, oh, boy, these guys are really, really bad. Everyone else is already done for the day. They should be done. They should be out of college football. It's true. We should be done. This should be the end of bold predictions on a freaky Friday version of the podcast. The game, folks, is finally almost here. Less time for talking and more time for action. We'll have uh, some more media day interviews that are coming. Uh, Devin Brown, Kyle McCord, Sonny Styles, and Keenan Bailey join me for uh, some conversation. We'll have another Roosters report later on where Nicole Cox will join us. And what else do we have, Berm? Pre-game show. Pre-game, pre-game, pre-game show. Yeah. We're ready to go. predicted that we'll do that at 6 p.m. Eastern time. Right when Bill is getting ready to get into the car and head <laughs> to the hospital. Uh, stop there putting it, it out there. That's so the it, bold prediction. Yeah. So enjoy. And it. this has been Bold Predictions collectively on the podcast. That is Berm, Bill, I am Austin. So long.